Hello and welcome back. This is episode 54 of the Nonsense Podcast by What Makes Sense. This week we have on Andrew and Ben from a new band called Loose Ends. And uh, I say new, they started sometime in 2020 and uh, had really kicked up the recording then. But um, these guys are actually no strangers to the music scene. You may actually know them. Uh, they were previously in a band called Kid Liberty, who is a you know very popular uh, pop punk sort of easy core band from back in the day, and so that's where they uh, really you know started uh, getting their footing in you know terms of their musical careers. And so um, some years have passed, and you know uh, things have happened, and we we do get into that um, you know as uh, in terms of uh, some pretty heavy life events. And, um, you know, we really get into it and get a little bit emotional during the episode. I, I'm not going to lie. So um, we'll get to that. But uh, Loose Ends is currently working on a uh, releasing their full album called uh, Tell God You Were Framed. And uh, the first song off of that is Love and Heartache. And a very, very good song. Very, I think, personal song, uh, you know, and kind of tears at the heartstrings. Um very real. I have to say these guys are 100% authentic and what they write is very authentic. So uh, without getting too deep into that, I uh, want to say that the song of the week is Sidelines by Midfield. Very, uh, very great band. I'm sure many of you listening know Midfield, if, especially if you're in the Northeast. It's hard to uh, avoid them. They are, uh, you know, a budding band in the pop punk scene and a band that I had actually played with my first gig with what makes sense so that was actually january 2020 and um i unfortunately like missed most of their set because i was just sort of nervous and like sitting to the side and trying to remember the songs but um oh man i really wish i'd seen that like gone into the room and saw them because they rip it up and uh this new song is definitely a testament to how good they are and damn are they good um so here is sidelines by midfield and then we're going to get right into our interview with Loose Ends. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you in two weeks. First of all, thank you for, you know, reaching out and thank you for, you know, having Mike connect us. Uh, Mike's a great dude. Been talking to him for probably over a year now. Just, uh, I don't know if you ever heard his band. I gotta, I gotta always shout out his band, Doc Hammer, but they're a great band. Um, great metalcore band out of like San Diego area, but he's, you know, he's also does all of his, uh, PR work. And so he's gotten a lot of the artists that have come on this podcast, but yeah, Mike, um, Mike's a great dude. Yeah. Has so, has been uh, phenomenal with us, and I think kind of the way we we connected was really at random. You know, he just contacted us through. Uh, you know how the world works today. Like social yeah. media is just such a crazy concept in general. But like out of nowhere, somebody really good just touched with us, and and uh, he presented his case. Like he's you know he's stepping out <laughs> on his own leg, trying the PR thing, and I thought, you know what, dude. I'll give it a shot. You seem hungry enough. Let's go. And I think our initial conversation was very indicative of what our working relationship was going to be like, let alone our personal one. And uh, for the last several months, he's just been out crushing it for us and making some cool things happen. So I'm really stoked to have him on board. Yeah, man. And I mean, it seems like so far you guys have had a successful release of your first single. So congratulations. That's love and heartache for everybody listening. Um, I actually just saw, I'm, I'm now kind of almost against my will, but also like now willingly and addictively on TikTok. And so I saw you guys get a nice little shout out from, uh, Jesse Lee, who runs the, 
uh, Distorted 10 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got the email for that. I, I wasn't really, I don't think I expected that uh, until I, I looked back at what our itinerary was for things that were coming up and what's already been executed and still in the pipeline. But uh, we got the email to that link and Mike said, oh, this one almost slipped through the cracks, I think. And I went back and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And he made the comparison of our sound to neck deep, I think. Yeah. Which was yeah. Pretty, pretty honorary. If you ask me, I thought that was pretty rad. So. Yeah, man, that was awesome. So congratulations on that. And, um, I know you also, I guess that's what part of now, uh, an upcoming EP, at least from what I gathered from your Spotify, it's, uh, tell God you were framed. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And so, that seemed like a very, at least the description that was there on your about page. And I want people to go read it, but also at the same time, I want to hear from, you know, the source of truth on this. Um, could you just, you know, kind of explain the whole concept behind that and, you know, why it's so significant? Well, there's really a, a very long and profound story behind it. So it depends on whether or not you want the cliff notes to fit it into our time frame, or, you know, oh, we got, got, we got time. We got time. <laughs> so, um, I like to attach, especially with music and anything artistic. I, I like to attach personal experiences to it. I think it gives your audience and listener, um, or in terms of art, the viewer itself, the recipient, so to speak, um, you know, a way to relate to it or not relate to it. And, and having that personal touch really, you know, can, can help attach that. Um, really the last 10 years of my life, um, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs with things that have been incredibly difficult. And, uh, uh, particularly with an emphasis on the last four years. And back in 2017, um, I had, um, proposed to my then girlfriend, um, I had called my best friend who is my, like a, we introduced each other as brothers. We were that close. Wow. Um, we did, we didn't, it wasn't just like, this is my friend and, and that sort of thing. Um, he was, uh, shortly after I had dubbed him my best man, uh, within a few months, he was murdered, uh, in a really terrible domestic violence, uh, thing, uh, by a complete maniac who he had never met in his life. Um, and yeah, it was, he was unfortunately shot eight times in his own house and, um, it changed the landscape of how I view a lot of existence and like moving forward. And, and again, I've, I've lived a lot of life prior to that. Uh, and we'll get into some of those details in a minute, but as it pertains to the direction of this record, um, at the time, a lot of this had happened. I had, I had recently laid down drum tracking for a band called crooked teeth um uh my buddy tyson had had yeah. stepped out to do this project my friend I talked yeah. to tyson. he's oh my god upstanding guy awesome awesome yeah guy. i love tyson man and, and, and really 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 stoked to see as far as he's gone and um i loved that uh, i was able to be a part of the project with him um and then my buddy matt lang who is the bass player and and uh the master uh master for or mastering engineer for this, uh, this project itself. So kind of a very small knit world. Um, and we were, you know, we were getting together a little trajectory, uh, creatively when all this hit the fan. Um, and, uh, everything took a back burner, man. It was just really gnarly. And, um, I got to a point over the last several years where I, I just kind of turned a spiritual corner and, and that wasn't even the last hardship of it. I mean, you, you talk about just the event of, of that happening and the, the trauma that came with that. Um, you know, it happened in a really, really small town in the panhandle in Texas and there weren't a lot of resources immediately available um, to deal with the crime scene itself. And so, uh, you know, when I was there, I, I flew out to be with, uh, my friend's family and, and, um, dude, uh, we went in the apartment, me and, me and uh, his uncle went in the apartment to get keepsakes for the memorial and nothing had really been fully cleaned up or anything like that. It just wasn't an available service within the, the time frame that it had happened. And when we arrived there and, um, uh, that sat with me, man, 
you really go through something that gnarly. And I, I'm able to discuss it now. I've gone through a lot of very intensive therapy uh, for PTSD and, and uh, EMDR is what, what they call it. Um, and so I can talk about it in a, in a certain comfortability with people. But I think it's really important to inform anybody of this um, event. But to the point, as it pertains to where we got to the record, you know, we went through a capital murder trial. The guy that did it is serving life with no parole uh, and, and uh, you know, a very hollow victory. But like I said, it changed the landscape of how I view uh, or even was viewing existence and life. And, and you know, I was a pretty staunch atheist, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. I just this question posed recently, like within the last six or seven months, I'd say. I just kind of started to turn a spiritual corner and I felt like, you know, there's this ongoing battle with humanity and, and how we, you know, our, our, what our purpose is, our existence, that sort of thing. And, and this idea that we were created by some all knowing omniscient being that knew the outcome or the result all along, but somehow gave us free will is just a very conflicting concept for me. And I still, despite my relatively newfound faith in something, um, more agnostic, if I want to place anything on anything, but um, yeah, just this idea that when you, you die or when, when we expire here in our physical vessels, that we transcend and that we have to explain or justify our actions to this thing that knew what the hell we were going to be doing in the first place to even arrive there to have to justify it or explain it. So it's a, I don't, can we curse on this thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a mind fuck. Like, yeah. Point blank is just a crazy concept to me. And I, I thought my friend, my brother was such a good man. Like, through and through, shirt off his back if you needed it, had you over for dinner, made sure you ate, and if you had leftovers, you had food for the rest of the week kind of guy. Um, and uh, I thought, what, did, what does he tell that thing? You know? And not only that, why did that thing, who had all this great control over everything, allow that bullshit to happen? You know what I mean? And so there's all this – there was – Something in the statement, tell, I'm, I'm going to tell God I was framed. Um, there's some freedom in that. It's like kind of a fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm living, dude. And if that, if that dude or that, that lady or that thing, whatever it is, has a problem with anything I've done, then I'll take it up when I cross that bridge, dude. But, and, and so there's still the questionability there. This is not a religious record by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually I think more quite the opposite than anything, just more of a philosophical approach in the title. And, and uh, I wanted to, I wanted to have something on there that really made people kind of think about it. Um, and what, what we did in the, the concept of the, the sonic experience is, is just that um, like from the start of the record and, and you'll hear it when it comes out, um, you know, there's a big swell at the beginning of it that, is more or less a representation of what it's like to leave your physical vessel and ascend to whatever the afterlife should there be one is like. And the music itself being music, being a universal language is a representation of, of this uh, omniscient being this, this God, so to speak. Right. So the moment the snare kicks in, you've arrived, you're now at the gates, you're now, that's it. And then, when Ben, when Ben steps in with, with his vocal approach and everything, he's laying over the track. That's the, he's, it's, it's the human element justifying the actions and the life lived and the music in that, that argumentative kind of state, you know what I mean? This, and so that's, that's where my head was at when I approached Ben. I said, I said, Hey, here's what this album is like. And here are these songs. Uh, ben is a phenomenal lyricist and a songwriter uh, with a lot of experience in, in other areas in music as well. And I, when I reached out, I thought, 
this is the only guy I wanted on this record. Not only because we had been in, in a band before and done really well with that, and our like I explained earlier, our, our chemistry musically is really good, but Ben Ben just has a way of I don't know. Our thought processes are very similar. We're kind of neurotic. <laughs> like, we're good. nuts. That's good to have. But, yeah, but he he can just tap into this this um, very personable thing about it that and and a rhythm and flow and the way he writes that I feel is uh, was perfect for this project. So. Um, you know, with that explanation, I'll, you know, Ben, Ben's finally on. I want, I want him to, to get in here and, and lay it, lay it on it's us. Heavy. It's been a struggle to be on, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and uh, thank you for all those kind words, Andy. I appreciate that. Of course. And uh, with that being said, like, yeah, I'm super stoked to be a part of it. And, <clears throat> you know, we've spent a ton, ton of time together in, in a van at venues, shows, and we've, talked about life and death quite a bit in those, in those times, you know, what else is there to talk about? And, uh, you know, amongst hearing the record out that Andy showed me, like all the instrumentation, you know, I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy good. And it like ultimately like struck me emotionally and I could feel, you know, knowing Andy very well and like knowing Kyle and, you know, I just kind of felt like the emotion of the record. So really, you know, having things in my life going on, which is very relatable to everybody else, right along with, you know, Andy's life and everybody's life. Like I really just kind of took the emotion of like the instrumentation that was there and kind of like collaborated my thoughts with like some thoughts. I feel like knowing Andy so well would be in with as well, as well as like, you know, some listeners too. I mean, so, um, I think it's really good the way that Andy talks about like, you know, that snare hit and then like, you know, it's like what the afterlife is like, you know, I think we all think about that quite a bit. And, but like, while we're here, there's a lot of things that we're thinking about that are just very intense in different directions that may lead us to some other path in that, you know? So I tried to kind of just like feel it emotionally as possible and like to try to, you know, I'm an emotional dude anyways. Andy's an emotional dude. We're all kind of emotional people. I hate to use the word emo because like all music is emo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like country music is really just like one of the most emo things out there. Bluegrass you know, emo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I just kind of went with my gut feeling a lot of that and like tried to pull some of that out, you know? Yeah. It's it's I know you guys only have one single out right now, but I mean it's definitely reflected in that, and it's it's great to have uh, music without emotions. Just you know, it's just sound, and uh, I feel like when there's you know either either a backstory or just like a genuine emotion that you felt you had to convey, you know, through this this powerful tool that is music. I, I think that's you know the best way to go about it, and that creates the most genuine experience for both you as, you know, a performer, as a writer, as somebody who's creating art to share with the rest of the world. And then also the people who are consuming and, and listening to the art, I think sure. uh, it, it builds that relationship too, between, you know, artist and um, you know, either, either listener fan, you know, whatever you want to call them in this scenario. So that, that that's, that's great to hear that, you know, you guys are able to share uh, sort of life experiences through through music well and two i'll i'll echo on that and, and really elaborate on it ben's ben's vocal range and where he sits in tone um you know we're in our we're in our mid-30s dude like writing the writing the record of the the nasally or whiny or pop punk which i i don't mind that i don't mean to say that as an insult but but in a way that translates to most listeners in, in our peer groups at this age who are you know homeowners and having kids and medical insurance and shit it's like they hear that and they go the first thing out of their mouth and it like grinds my gears it's like oh, this reminds me of high school it's like what <laughs> like dude come on it's not that so i knew when i when i had approached ben that his voice was going to set something uh, with a certain maturation and the tone to it that sounded 
far more grown. This is personally why I feel like bands like the story so far have thrived the way that they have, because it doesn't quite, it, it's in that pocket of pop punk, but in a way that still has some aggressive nature to it. It's got some gravel in the guts and, and uh, I, I've loved Parker's approach and what they've done from the jump. And, and I felt like Ben, Ben has somewhere, like he falls somewhere in between like the front man of, uh, I, I forget his name off the top of my head. And I, I'm sure all the scene kids, if anyone listens to this, are going to, you know, virtually slap me uh, for brand new. Um, so yeah. there's elements of that. And then Pete, a little bit of like Pete Wentz or almost some Daryl Palumbo kind of stuff. Uh, glass jaw head automatica that kind of thing and then a little bit of that a little bit of that parker that that parker like straightforward like you know hitting those notes and it's staying staying in this very uh certain melodic fluctuation or influxes Mm -hmm. where they where they are so uh you're gonna get a lot of that on this record with regard to what you were saying earlier so yeah and that's uh I, I think that's something bringing it back to like the you know the beginning of your what you were saying is that's super important is uh you know kind of maturing in your songwriting process and uh, uh you're still sticking to who you were you know you're still sticking to that you know that 20 something kid who was angry at the world and you know wanted to just kind of party and let loose and get you know get all the nerves out and uh, you know, the best way you could. And then this is a different part of your life. So you're going to sort of translate that into music in a entirely different manner than you were, you know, then like I was, you know, if, if I could look at myself back when I was 16, I was, I was rebelling. I didn't know what I was rebelling about. I didn't know what I was writing about. I was just like, I got these emotions. I'm going to like put them down on paper and, (laughs) you know, try to make sense of it. And then, you know, now you sort of uh, you understand life a little bit more. You've experienced a little bit more life, and um, you know you have more stories to share. Yeah, exactly. And I want to add that, like, you know, kind of going to what I was saying earlier. Like, Andy asked me, you know, like, showed me the EP, like where it's at. Like, it emotionally struck me in a way to where I felt like. I'm not going to use the word easy because I definitely spend some time writing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a puzzle that I love to put together. I love writing music. But it struck me in a way, like emotionally, to where it gave me a feeling. And so... It was like you know, natural. right? Yeah, it was, it was natural. And everything that I'm doing vocally on the record, I'm trying to just run right parallel with that. Like if there's something dynamic moving in the song, I'm trying to be a little bit more dynamic, you know? And everything that I'm singing about and words that I'm using are absolutely real and relevant things that are happening in my life and Andy's life and people's, you know, that are close around me, you know, and that's ultimately like that's, you know, I think that's what we're trying to give is the most real experience. Like, you know, I'm not there. None of us are really trying to like create any music to like get this hype for this crowd or that crowd. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately just like our spirit, you know, and like, that that that's what I want to ring out like in the whole thing, like through every instrument and vocals and everything like that. It's all like real spirit in this music. And I think that like that kind of thing, like no matter what genre it is, like speaks to, you know, the human, you know, humankind more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, being real, being authentic, I, I think that's a great way to go about it because people these days can, pick that right out of a crowd if you're not you know yeah. writing and, and, and you know acting in an authentic manner and you know i can already tell i've, met, I've only known you guys for about a half an hour now but like you're definitely authentic dudes and Thank there's you. no real you know there's no like pulling punches there's no bullshit to it um no, we, so we, like, did that, we did that dance in the kid liberty run and stuff not that we were inauthentic <laughs> then i mean we were we were being our our authentic young 20 something selves like just being shitheads and like not, I don't know if we were taking it nearly as seriously as we probably should have at the yeah. time. But um, like you said, a lot of life has happened and um, we simplified our approach. I, I personally with working with Matt Lang on this, who's done, I mean, he's worked on records from water parks from, and um, not in the summer, dangerous summer. I'm, I'm still in yeah. surf mentality in California. Like in the summer. Yeah, of course. It's in the summer, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Uh, but um, 
and and Matt recorded Tyson as as well with you know uh, Crooked Teeth and all of that. And and Matt Matt, I wish I could get him on some of these podcasts, man, because his approach to songwriting is just he like studies pop hits obsessively, and he he passed that obsession on to me. I lived with him for a couple years in Costa Mesa, and dude, I'll listen to the most obscure like dorky pop songs like i'm hooked on water parks right now that song violet is like <laughs> is like cocaine dude i cannot stop jamming. a pop punk band emphasis on the pop <laughs> and they're from they're from my hometown of houston and i love that oh. i love that they're getting representation um i love that music from from my hometown outside of hip-hop is getting represented in, in a really cool way but matt matt really refined my songwriting process in a way I don't think anybody else had emphasized and, and like to dumb it down, but don't lose that soul in there, you know, like make it yours and give it that intensity we've been referring to already. Um, and you know, when you're younger, you just want to flex on motherfuckers. You just want to be shredding, like doing the wildest yeah, like, drum. Fills and like, yeah, like you just want to, it's like, oh, and I feel like you get older. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's empty space here. Let's fill it with shit where it might not be necessary. Oh, How many beats can you fill in this, you know, two beats, you know, empty space? Yeah. 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 So that um, the the structure of these songs is very rooted or 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 grounded in like a a pop manner, but it like meaning that the structure of the songs are very simple, but as far as time and or length of them and uh you know what's applied to it there's there's some subtle things but every i'm not even kidding you like kyle and i spent so much time being incredibly intentional with every little thing that we did with this um and i I hope just so far off the single you're you're getting some element of that but definitely on the on the rest of the record like the experience from front to back is going to have every every bit of that to know so yeah and and definitely like sometimes like less is more and that's not saying like you've cut out elements of the song that you know made the song what it was originally when you wrote it it's just like it it you know it gets it helps people get to the point a little bit like quicker like you know one of the the greatest things a producer can do is take out you know like 5 to 10 seconds of your song and <laughs> the song still remains a good song <laughs> like yeah. We, we we did that with one song recently and and i was like you know I, I never looked at it that way but it it one you know kind of uh reduces the redundancy in the song and you know it to it it's like a, a new flow you know versus what we had the previous you know 30 seconds before that so and right. you know sometimes the you know the most you can you can say in a song is you know, with, uh, without audio, you know, when it's quiet, when there's a break, when there's something like that, you know, like that's super important, you know, when you sort of just extract a few elements out for a little bit and yeah, then exactly. bring it all back in. Yeah. When it, knowing when to like draw back and like using like silence or not silence, but you know, like, you know, just what you're saying, like having like into your times, like less is more is like yeah. a whole art form. A whole yep. art form. I mean, it's something you learn after you've been playing for like a little bit. Like, oh, if I do less here, this can sound. It'll be more impactful when you bring what you were doing back. You know, exactly. Yeah, Matt. You know? Matt always stress. Matt stresses like ambiance or nuances. Those little things that make the experience of a record um, timeless or or personal. Uh, you go back and listen mm-hmm. to things like. Uh, you go back and listen to Nirvana's Nevermind record and the way that's recorded, or you listen to Beastie Boys, you listen to uh, Green Day, uh, a lot of early Green Day records, specifically with Kerplunk and Dookie. Uh, Mostly anything Jerry Finn touched, that guy, you know, all the enema of the state, take off your pants, Mm -hmm. um, some 41, a lot of those, a lot of those really influential records and pop punk um, shift into the early 2000s from the mid to late 90s. Uh, and then you go back to like mid nineties, like harder, harder alt rock, even like if you remember bands like presidents of the United States of America, um, uh, dude, rage against the machine and where they stepped in and there, there weren't like overly complex things in there, but it's like, it's just about, uh, the, the tone 
and the the texture of the album, that grit that's in there. Uh, if you want to get down and dirty on some punk rock stuff, bands like Suicide Machines, that really raw, uh, yeah. fast punk, rancid, no effects, no use for a name. Um, you know, bands like Limp, even. Uh, a lot of people aren't even going to remember who that shit is. Good Riddance, <laughs> one of my favorite punk bands. Dude, yeah. love that. You're going to get strung out. Uh, you're going to get some of those elements in this record, too. We've got, like, uh, you know, like I said, I could run on this for hours, but there's, the technical elements are there, but they're very intentional. Um, and, and Ben compliment, compliments that incredibly well vocally uh, and rhythmically as well. So, You know, I was actually thinking today, I was like, shit, like what, what makes a legendary song legendary? Why are these certain songs just like you can't get rid of them and they're always going to be like a good or popular song? Obviously, good is a very like subjective term, but um, like why is it always going to be a very popular song that everybody knows? I know one element of that is obviously like a whole nother, you know, the skeptic of me is like, it's a business side, you know, it's the marketing behind it. It's all the money from the record label. That's a whole nother thing. But then there's also like the structure. Why is, you know, why is Mark Ronson such a legendary producer and songwriter? Like why is everything that he writes like spectacular and does well, like shit like that. And you know, I'm thinking like fucking today. I was like, Pitbull. Why? Why? Why are his songs so popular? Like the way they are. But it's just like it's the way it's written. It's the structure. But there's like certain songs that just will stand out forever. Like let's take Blink 182's "All the Small Things." That's a three chord song. You know, here I'll, I'll let me interject here, and I'll yeah. tell you why. The lullaby approach, lyrically. That dude, that song, quite literally, and and I'll yeah, I'll actually I'll, I'll actually associate something to Ben and to mine and Ben's experience in Kid Liberty. So from what I understand, all the small things was kind of a last minute, uh, a last minute right. I don't I don't if I remember the story correctly, I think Jerry was like, we got to have something like we got to we got to add this or something like that. I could be wrong. I could be misquoting. We have, we have eight other... songs on the album. We got to have nine. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could be misquoting a whole other experience from another band. So, you know, don't whoever, whoever's hearing this, don't, you know, don't hold it over my head for the rest of my life. Yeah. But Ben and I had the same experience in, in Kid Liberty. We, we actually had to put this LP out with fight with your fist. And uh, we we're working with Jeff Rockwell. And he was like, we need one more song guys. We need one thing. And Ben, Ben had kind of a loose idea for, uh, that's what she said was what it ended up being. <laughs> and, uh, we, we had a loose idea for that and Ben played the riff and Jeff what a was wild like, outcome. Jeff, Jeff goes, let's go with that. Dude, we wrote that song in like, that's I don't insane. know, 40, 45 that, That's minutes, unbelievable, man. And it's our most played song yeah. on Spotify at the moment. And, and like, there's really nothing... Wow, I think also we just had the most fun with that in the studio. We threw like a Pantera riff and the end breakdown at the end, like, you know. So yeah, uh, very similar. Like just the, the simple stuff to that had the catchiest chorus, I think, um, or one of them. Uh, so yeah, very similar. I think the lullaby approach to lyrical composition uh, as well as songwriting is those three and four chord Johnnies that most rock and roll bands write, but. People, when they listen to it, man, they just want to hear something catchy. And mm -hmm. if you can staple that up and people can walk away after turning the song completely off and then they're going, mm -hmm. it's in their you head. Yeah. It's like, mm, got you, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, that can really be done on any of the instruments, you know, like uh, true. Oakley guitars, you know, even like rhythm drums. I mean, you know, there's, I find myself like, you know, imagining or singing beats in my head or guitar riffs or like lyrics all the time. And I, I really do think that there's something like to that, you know, yeah. having every piece be like a hook in a sense. You know, that's really like my favorite part about doing vocals is trying to kind of what I was saying earlier about like running parallel with the music is, you know, like say this beat is going to hit, you know, I'm going to come in and try to like be on the opposite end of that and then try to do it the next time really to try to get all those rhythm rhythms stuck in your head. You know, mm -hmm. I started out on, I started like the, the training that I've had musically has been on drums. Like when I was younger nice. and I'm, it's, I'm the most thankful that I did that first because really like everything is kind of a drum. Even a guitar is almost like you're still a rhythm yeah. and it's just, then the string is 
ringing out to be a note, but you're still almost treating it as a drum. And so like, you know, getting the rhythmic, you know, basis in everybody's mind that's catchy because I feel like we're all vibrational beings. You know, our hearts, our heart even has a beat from the minute, you know, yeah. always a beat going on when you can then bring in melody to then that be caught in and not like, like what he's saying, like lullaby approach. Like if you take out the words and you even take like that Blink-182 song and it's like, I'll sing the right song. That's the right one, right? Yeah. yeah, You got it. You got it. Yeah. You know, if you break that down, that was released like 20 years ago. If you, you know, if you break that down, it's such a, it's such a, it's really, really simple, but it's so catchy. And then when you can turn around, you know, and along with the drums and the guitar of all that is doing the, is right along there with it, making it making sense. And then when you add the words in there to that, then it opens up a whole another level of dynamics for the words to sit there and then run parallel with the uh, dynamics of the tone and the rhythm and all that stuff. So I, I, I agree. I think it's a, uh, you know, it's all about hooks from every point and, you know, it's like no piece is really the star of it. Like you, you know, once you have like the band, which is everybody, the, the band of brothers and sisters together, and you can all <laughs> do that and promote, promote a hook together. I think that's like, you know, when the power Rangers come together and create the one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ranger, you know, and then that's, More that, <laughs> that is like, the hook, that's the hook Lord right there, you know? Yeah. That's great. So, so I didn't know when I was getting on this, uh, when I was getting on this interview tonight that I'd be talking to the two guys who are always on beat because you, Ben used to be a drummer and Andy, you're a drummer. And so I'm sure you both can follow a click better than anybody else in the band. So (laughs) I was that it actually took Ben, uh, when I joined up with Kid Liberty way back, it took Ben really pushing me. I was, I was adamantly against it for live shows because, and for, the same reason Matt Lang and I were in agreement with this. There's actually on, on a, when you, when you constantly surrounding or you're constantly um, influenced rhythmically by the click track, everything becomes very mechanical. And there's one thing that I've learned not only through this recording process, but I learned through Matt and we actually put, uh, he showed me something on, on even what back to reference enema, the state, Jerry Finn recorded a lot of things very organically. Um, and, and, there was one, I forget what song Matt showed me. We put a click to it, and it actually goes off the click. There's parts of it. So what Ben was, was talking about. probably all the small things. I've, I've tried to, just in my maybe. spare time, try to remix it, and it was a fucking, I, it was just like I was supposed to do a mashup just for fun, and I right. couldn't because the click changes. <laughs> Dude, so there's there's a reason behind that uh, that my friend Matt um had said, and it may just, it may have just been his professional opinion on it. Again, this is a guy who just sits and studies records and, and audio and, and the engineering approach. And again, what the exact subject we're talking about, what makes a hit, right? Like what's so good about that. And as Ben had stated, we're, we're kind of rhythmic beings. There's, if, if you listen to a lot of records that are constantly snapped to the grid, right. In the recording process, your ear becomes, it, it, it's taxed. It's very like exhausting after a while. Everything just starts to meld together and feel the mm-hmm. same. But when you think of, when you think in terms of like natural rhythm, and I mean really natural rhythm, like not to be too cheesy or like overly chachi here, but like when you make love with a chick, dude, it's not, it's not the same rhythm every time, dude. There's like, there's ups and downs to that. And like, you get like, you can't just, you can't just get in there and just start, you know, just at the same rhythm the whole time. It's going to get boring. And like, I don't know, man. Um, there, there's a, there's a natural element or a natural rhythm that's gotta, gotta be there. But Ben, when I first joined up with Kid Liberty, he was adamant about the click track and, and it really served me well um, in so many ways because I, I like to play energetically and fast. And so what the click track did for me was kind of discipline me a little bit more to stay somewhere in relevance to it. So my swells weren't crazy when I get really mm-hmm. excited about this yeah, one a part in the song that I love <laughs> that maybe Ben hated because it was actually really technical and my selfish ass was like, no, we're going to go up 10 BPM and it's going to be harder for you to hit all those <laughs> fucking threads. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> 
But uh, actually, I just remembered it wasn't all the small things. All the small things is actually like pretty disciplined to a click track. I think sure. um, it it wasn't off of Enema State. I, I'm sure there's probably because what well, it was probably recorded by the same guy. Um, take your pants off and jacket or whatever. Yeah, that was, um, was Jerry. Yeah, it was. Uh, fuck, what was the song? Um, what's my age again? Was was that on? Oh, that's, no, that's on Enema. That is okay. Yeah, so that was actually not following a click that, uh, or like not following the same click the whole time. All the small things does because I I know why because I remixed it with uh, T Pain's uh, "Buy You a Drink" and it will fit very well. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like if anybody in the industry that knows Jerry Finn or like knows Blink or Travis hears this, they're gonna be like, "These guys are stupid as fuck." They don't know what they're talking yeah. about. <laughs> They're like the whole maybe. thing was to a click. You just can't follow it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we suck. So I don't know. Yeah. That's that, that's why we're, you know, not on uh, Grammy nominated list. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, yeah. man. But yeah, like the whole that was all new to me too. Uh, I too fought that when I started, you know, rejoining bands. I, I took a while off just for like college and life and you know starting work and then uh join one and like the guy I, i'm glad I, I i left this other band way back it was just like a weird dynamic but he was just like you're playing to a click track live and i'm like fuck this <laughs> i was i was like this is so dumb like i hate having plugs in my ears and like can't move around stage because it's gonna fall out of my ears and all that like wild stuff and uh i mean it is value it's valuable when you're definitely like in a, a band of like five people and you know, you're playing a little loud and stuff. Like I've seen three piece bands do without it for a while, but you know, I've also seen smaller bands with it and they're like super tight live. So um, I don't currently play with it, but like, you know, once we get out of playing, you know, if we grow beyond this point that we're at right now, when we, you know, play to more than 30 people <laughs> like yeah 100 percent. we're getting like in ears and all that i know like my guitarist and uh our drummer and uh we don't have drummer but when we do have like drummers drum for us they have we have a whole in-ear system but it's it's yeah, cool yeah. it's all new to me yeah it's it's critical if you're trying if you're trying to stay stay in a lane live uh yeah. with, with a few deviations in and out of it but not dramatic switches that are you know like swells and and uh dips in there in your in your your pace um you're gonna keep your audience pretty interested because they'll they'll fall in line with it pretty quick quick but i'm like you the way the in the the earbuds would fall out they get tangled around my fucking arms man i'd be in there like oh yeah click tracks flying around behind me while i'm playing (laughs) Ben's visuals looking back and seeing that stuff happen Yeah, like, like he is. I can't work like this. <laughs> Unreal. Man. You know, I, I, the the main deal with that, like, well, I'll say, like, backing up is, like I said, I, I played drums early on, and I was in drumline, doing drumline competitions. You know, like in high school, and we had this drum instructor that just drilled it into our head, and he made us like march around and play drums, and I played bass, and it was really important that we were all like equally spaced out on that kind of instrument right because if you don't then your triplets start sounding funny and five people making one instrument is is it sounds weird so using that click he would have a, a megaphone that's like huge i can't even put the whole thing in there that would like you know you ever hear that sound where it's so loud it like makes your head move involuntarily we would do that for like two 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 and a half hours every single day for like forever and i just saw like the importance of that but then like you know, and that's what it was. And then playing guitar, I didn't think about that. But like, I noticed that like, you know, we all get like really hyped to get in that mode of like, you know, this is fun. You're feeding off people watching. We're feeding off each other on stage. And before you know it, we're playing songs 30 beats per minute, like faster than, you know, you don't realize it really at the time. I mean, you kind of do, but like, then you get to certain parts, like he's talking about, and it's like, I got to do this at that speed, you know? And then, so, yeah. you know, that, that really helped and, you know, it just, you just sound tighter. I think, I think ultimately where I was like, oh, this really, really matters is, you know, in our prime, we started playing to like big shows. You know, I think, you know, the most we had played in front of them when that was like 6,600 people. And so when you're on like that large of stage, you know, or that I can remember, that's just one I recall that we were getting 
down pretty well. You know, on that large of stage, like Andy's like 15 yards over that way, you know, like, and, you know, we're kind of just like talking to yeah. each other and like, what's going on? And like, you know, I'm watching him, you know, cause like sometimes like stage monitors aren't doing shit for you. That's when you're, right, that's, right, that's when you're right. almost music. That's one of those moments in live performance. You realize what caliber your band really is. Because in yeah. your head, you think, especially in rock and roll, when you're young, you think ideas of grandeur, right? You're like, we're going to be in arenas, we're going to be playing big stages yeah. and all this stuff. I'll and it's see like, you, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> some bands just are not meant for that. And I'm not saying that we weren't. I just don't think when we were ex- when we were introduced to that size of a stage that we were fully uh, equipped. Um, right. For that, like, in, not only not only in our uh, in our minds, but you know, technically speaking, like we, we didn't have the we didn't have the sound guy to support that shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of learning, you know. Even thinking about like I've watched back some of those videos, and I'm like, where was my like volume just ten times as loud than what it needed to be, and all sorts of stuff. Like some dude, some so, of yeah, them I've been I, watching. And and Aaron, you may you may be able to relate to it. Like and Ben was just saying, like going back and, and seeing some of that stuff live. Like I've un- unearthed quite a few videos of, of shows Ben and I had played uh, prior, and like it's like we start off at a nice you know nice pace, where you know the front of the the front of the vehicles there, and like just yeah. even it out, and then and then that fucker leaves the track, and all of a sudden we're in a Formula One car just on the throttle, dude. It's like what? Oh, Hollin' ass. That was like one of the things that, um, you know, I I, I would say I used to be like huge on the Ramones. I'm still like, you know, I'm still a big Ramones fan at heart. But the way they would speed up live was like versus their recorded stuff was just insane. And they didn't have like any of your monitors back then. None of that shit. Like, I was like, I don't know how you guys did it. Obviously, their songs are like some of the most simple in rock and roll. And, you know, also the most legendary, not taking any credit away from them. But like, oh, my God, they would be up like 20, 30 BPM on every song. <laughs> and they'd finish their sets in 30 minutes and people would be like, what just happened? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Same for like, uh, I mean, Minor Threat was always fast, but like live, they were just, you know, they cranked it up a little bit, too. And I'm like you guys are playing in like gymnasiums. Like I can't imagine the sound was good there, but like, how did they do that? Like, how did they do that without technology? I'm like trying to just like wrap my head around it. Was it like just not well documented and maybe they weren't like that good live or like maybe they were, some, I don't know. Some bands, are just, some bands uh, and, and specific members of certain bands are just really good at um, that DIY approach of doing the best you can with what you have and really, really yeah. working with that is, and I, I stress that even with what Ben and I are doing with loose ends right now, uh, even working with Mike, this is still DIY as, as hell, dude. I can't mm-hmm. like we, the placement that we've gotten is literally all organic. This is all, and, and the growth in it is, dude, we didn't, um, we use drum samples and tones, uh, some of which like, Matt and I had recorded in Costa Mesa at one point for a lot of the demoing. We did what was called ISO tracking. So we did, we isolated each drum and I'm air drumming everything. I'm not hit, not really hitting right there. And then slamming a snare where it had to be. So, you know, I'm just, and then we get done with the snare tracking. We go to the rack tom. We get done with that. We go to the floor and then we go to the cymbals. And the way we had initially set all the the mics up, we had a, we had a, a manly mic which uh, is a just like a, a room mic. I had a, re- a recessed split level shower that was Spanish tile that was way back in the in the bathroom, and we we got all the ambiance from that all that reverb that made its way down that okay. hallway really filled this thing out. It was bitching. And we had overhead mics that you know got all the cymbal swell and that sort of thing, and then a really really I think maybe we used the manly mic as Bert. No, we used a, yeah we had a like drum mics for the snare, but we, we did multiple mics. So we got all the, you know, all of the snare buzz and all of the decay and a lot of the toms that you're, you're getting. And then again, back to the point, like working with what you have, we just really didn't have a whole lot then. And then going, going in with a lot of this material that I have with Kyle, we built the drums in program. 
we didn't we didn't have a big drum room to do this and and i sat with kyle very meticulously going through each one of these these hits that we built into these grids and told him i said we can't snap this to the grid like i was saying earlier it's got to have that natural feel to it that that vibrational thing uh we individually edited a lot of uh, frequencies on each of those hits so there's nothing that's really the same through the whole thing that's um, cool. yeah so i mean yeah you're you're hearing stuff that that is played live at some point and, and is really replicated live or or could be done again in the studio uh, quite realistically because uh, it's stuff that i understand it's percussion right i get that uh the guitar the guitar riffs and stuff are, are riffs that i've written and kyle kyle has, has co-written and, and worked with me on and, and matt's input on bass and the way that he did it so um we flew around the country doing this this all started in california i was sending i, I live in long beach i was sending videos back and forth to kyle and we were kind of building on it and then i was like dude yeah we should you know we should try and record this sometime when I ended up in Houston last summer, remodeling a house for a couple months, had some free time after each day and I would go to Kyle's and we started recording this. And I'm telling you, Aaron, before I knew it, it was like, oh, fuck, this thing actually kind of has a pulse. This feels really good. <laughs> and then, yeah. I, you know, I sent it to Matt and Ben and Ben was like, what the fuck? I got to do this. I got to do this. So it was like, good. OK, well, again, to the point, working with what you have. We we really set out to make this record sound big almost anthemic in a lot of elements so it's it's got these really grand endings that kind of make you feel this this energy and this bounce um certain you know melodic guitar runs that that layer in behind a lot of things there's a lot of a lot of space that we filled but and tucked into the record but in a way that the average listener may not pick up on but if you're into dissecting audio or listening to a record that way i wanted to have some elements of that and, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love perfect. this. It, it you, sounds you, like you, I'm gonna you, love you this. Uh, not that it's perfect by any means, but you, I definitely want to grow in working on more musical projects, especially as it pertains to loose ends and and really capitalize on what we've done now, but develop a, an even bigger sound and, and something more mature that I don't think we realize we're even capable of doing yet. If that makes sense. Yeah. That, that, that's funny you bring that up i've i've recently found myself uh dissecting things like and, I, and i'm like I, I you know part of me is like i i like how i'm you know getting this experience and like now i'm you know sort of conscious of certain elements in music but also at the same time it's like god like i'm so picky about shit <laughs> and yeah. like uh i was listening to four years strong today and i'm like they shit like you don't realize it but their kick drum is so high in the mix it's so loud in the mix. I'm like, but it, it drives with everything. You, you don't realize that. Cause it, it, it just, it, you know, it's, uh, as you know, the, the age old saying, it goes, it fits well in the mix. So, like, that's how it does. And I'm like, shit, maybe on some of my demos, I should just do that as a test, like see what's up. And like, that shit's fun. Um, it, it's just fun. Like, cause the song quite literally is a puzzle and you put, you know, you, you gather some pieces in one corner and you're like, all right, starting to put everything together now i'm like all right i have an idea of where everything goes you know now, then I'll, I'll i'll bring in a, a producer to sort of arrange now everything in a coherent way you know i i've given you the puzzle pieces now like let's let's put this bad boy together <laughs> exactly so i i think that's just like the, the the coolest part about you know recording artists is uh the process of it and you know then figuring out how you want to define your sound which is also like part of like the producer you work with too but um you know you you have that open line of communication with them and you you know you say i want this and they'll tell you you know maybe that's good that's a good idea or that's shit but we can work on it (laughs) and uh i mean yeah that's just the good part about working with like honest producers and sounds like you guys have that in yours as well it's it's cool that kyle kyle more or less just fits right in the band with it all again yeah. all all three of these gentlemen i i have a very or we all have a very real musical chemistry together um and kyle is such a meticulously natured dude uh like he obsesses yeah. and he's so 
We are all that way. We are all that way. Yeah. <laughs> but OCD. He, I'm very I just I have to speak on his behalf. He's he's got a he's got a daughter on the way and this is about to happen at any moment for him. So he his time is very absorbed with family and working on, you know, uh, and with his career and what he's doing and and uh I told him when this started off, I said, dude, I, I, I don't, I can't pay anybody being a part of this project or even you. And he's like, oh, I don't care, dude. I just want to do it for fun. And like, do this That's whole great. thing. I said, well, I tell you what, I, if, if I can get to a point where I'm putting it out, everybody part of this record will at least be credited or, or, or whatever the case may be. And I want it known that Kyle produced the shit out of this record. Like if you <laughs> like what you hear, get a hold of this dude, because he'll, he'll ace it for you in ways I don't think, um, uh, people expect and and the efficiency of it is really really great he just spends he just yeah, spends done, a lot of his free time working on on music so he's done an unbelievable job yeah. you know yeah. really all three of them like like i was saying earlier like as far as like you know producing the record and like being presented with that like i was blown away to like the whole record i know like you've only heard the single you know, and maybe the maybe the other one that's on SoundCloud. I don't know if that's still up or not, but for de- the demoing the, the version wolves, of that. But I'm saying, like the whole record, having not been a part of the instrument part and the writing part of the songs, like from the basis, you know, as I'm just doing the, you know, writing the vocals, and as being a songwriter, like all three of them have been very meticulous and have like just, I'm telling you, from front. From the beginning to end, I've just been blown away. That's why it's really been like earlier what I was saying. Like it's when I hear when I've heard it from from the get go, it's like automatically sparked in a, a real emotion in me. So it's almost like how can I not, you know, put vocals on with that? You know, and kind of what, what you were talking about as far as like putting the puzzle together and like, um, you know, working with a good producer. I you know I haven't had the chance to work with Kyle as much. You know as far as like, you know, I've been doing vocals and I've worked with Jeff Rockwell as far as like producing the vocal uh, portions, which is, you know, I love working with him. You know, we did a lot of stuff with Kid Liberty and I, I knew. That's one of the best dudes in the world, man. Yeah. Like it's, I kind of, you know, I write with a lot of, you know, as far as like vocals, well, a lot like really any instrument, I write with a lot of like the way that I kind of, you know, think that he would think in like theory and like going into that. So I was like really prepared yeah. in order to go in there and like um, fill that out. And it, and it was great. And I told him on the, like this last day, I was like, dude, you are just a wizard. Like that cat is a <laughs> wizard. And, you know, because he, he is like, I mean, you know, he's just, he's really great. But, you know, along with that, like that being said, you know, that that's the same cat that was, you know, Jeff was sitting there going on about like, Kyle's producing skills and the way he's like, you know, mixing the record to it, you know, and uh, I I think it's a great thing. Like everybody, like, you know, I'm not trying to include myself, but everybody in this project has just been like, you're part of it, man. You know, important part of it. I would, you know, what they're doing with it. And like, I think there's like a huge thing behind, like, you know, still talking about the click and, and the overall puzzle, like, it's such an interesting thing to be like mechanically skilled and like on what you're doing while then also like bouncing back and like, you know, what is emotionally going to make me feel really good and make other people feel really good. And then, and then when you start weighing, like, where's the importance of the click? Is it more important to take away the click and move somebody like dynamically flow with the song? You know, I, I, yeah. Like, you know, I think like th- this record that like we're about to put out, like I really feel like, you know, is going to move some people in that realm. Right? Like I hope it does. It mo- You know, it does me. Like, <laughs> you know, just yeah. like listening to everything, like all of the songs, really, like, you know, it uh, it really moves me. And I'm like, like I said, I started out on drums, and it's like a thing to me to be really like mechanically on, while also understanding the importance of like, you know, flaws and how flaws can be yeah. what is on and Just letting uh, it fly <laughs> yeah like yeah. I, I think it's really come out in this whole record from like you know a great a great point of like perspective for like you know a consumer or a listener to hear 
you know, that we're all very OCD yeah. people and we're also <laughs> really emotional people. And we get that. We're trying to combine those things, you know? Yeah. That's great, man. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited after learning all about this and, uh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to try to not get like too emotional listening to it. You know, I can't be in a public space, uh, you know, like tearing <laughs> up and, and tearing up in the gym or whatever, you know, <laughs> but like I, <laughs> First of all, I guess I, I really appreciate you guys being able to, you know, being courageous, I would say, to like share these stories. You know, Andy, that 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 was a very deep story that, you know, you shared and, and very personal and um, like, to, you know, tough to get through. Like I, I, I could tell it's it's obviously it's, you know, losing somebody in that in that manner is just it's unfair. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's difficult. So like I'm. I want to applaud you guys for, you know, being able to sort of, you know, look at that horrible situation in the face and say, like, I'm going to, you know, share how I felt about that. Maybe somebody's gone through something similar. Maybe, um, you know, somebody can relate into it in another way. They're, you know, going through some sort of hardship and, you know, I can help and open up their mind to, you know, this, uh, this healing process. So like, thank you so much for sharing that, that, of course. I'm, I'm walking you, away. I'm walking away from this interview, being able to listen to your music in an entire, entirely different dimension um, than I would have otherwise. And you know, I'm hoping I can I can share that story with as many people as you know I, I can catch the ear for every week. So, um, guys, thank you so much for coming on for this interview. And uh, you know, it's it's great to meet the guys who are behind you know the legendary Kid Liberty, and then now. I'm sure everybody is so excited to hear what you guys have next because I know uh, you still you're still coming out with that you know same Kid Liberty energy, but at the same time, again, this is the more mature you know next step for you guys, and I'm already hearing it in um in uh sorry I'm tongue tied right now love and heartache, and so uh okay. yeah I I think I'm just you know I'm ready for it. I'm ready to to see what you guys are coming out with so we'll be uh, sure. We're actually wrapping up vocal mixing at the moment um, nice. and then mastering as well. So we'll be sure to get you uh, an advance so you at least have oh, uh, man. Some, something to something to build off of and, and you can you can run with it however you need to. But we're we're stoked and we're fucking so it's been over a year to get this done. And we're five songs over a year. Like imagine and, and what a goddamn year it's it's been <laughs> like not been the easiest for music. That's for sure. So I applaud you guys for like being able to accomplish what you did five songs is like no small feat when you're not being able to like be in the same room all the time let alone the same state yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Even that bitch, dude it's like crazy but um yeah, thank, thank you, you so I, much echo ben man thank you for having us and giving us the opportunity to to be vulnerable with you and share these uh personal experiences and, and really what what the DNA and the blood and the sweat of the record really is and some tears for that matter. So, uh, really appreciate that. And, uh, we look forward to being able to come back on one day and, and talk about future, future endeavors and successes and failures and all that shit. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, sharing that with uh, you and yours, uh, as well. So keep us posted, man. Yeah. Thank you very much guys. Enjoy the rest of your night and hoping to see you soon, maybe whether it be on the road or, you know, if I make it, make it out there to the West coast. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank right, you again, man. Cheers. Cheers.